Hello, everyone. Welcome to One More Question, a podcast we make on Saturday nights because we have no social life. My name is Dashiell Mace, and with me is my co-host, Daniel Newton. To be fair, we did drive to the arcade bar, but we decided not to go in. Yeah, we couldn't get any parking, so uh, welcome to College Problems. So, Daniel, what's our question today? The question today is, what is the sharing economy, and is it beneficial? Great. And to give you a little bit of the uh, groundwork here, I'm a little bit more against the sharing economy, and Daniel is a little bit more in support of the sharing economy. Right, so what is the sharing economy? I'll give you two examples. One is Uber, second most valuable startup in the world, worth, I think, $40 billion. And it is a, it's an app on your smartphone. You can call uh, a driver, and he'll come pick you up using your GPS on your phone. It only goes to the best drivers that are in your area and the ones that are close by. Um, and it's really empowering because you don't have to be a professional taxi driver in order to get on the service. But that also leaves some legal problems that we'll talk about later. The second service is Airbnb. What it allows you to do is turn your apartment or home into a hotel. So there's a conference in your area or a golf tournament, then you can rent that extra room to someone online. Yeah, and to kind of give a comment about how pervasive these companies have become, last summer I was studying abroad in Europe, and my dad came to visit me, and he used Airbnb to sleep on a guy's couch for like three or four days, and I went on a trip to Atlanta last uh, over Christmas break, and some of us wanted to go get food, and a bunch of guys decided to take an Uber from the hotel to get to the Varsity, which is a really good burger place. So these companies are becoming more and more integrated into our lives, especially as college students, because I feel like we're pretty tech savvy. We're kind of on the cutting edge with these things. So Daniel, what makes these companies so beneficial? You know, you talk about how it's so easy, how it's empowering, but what's the real benefit we get? I think the, the biggest benefit is that it uses excess capacity. So if you're not using your car at night or you have some free time and you want to pick up an extra job, you can drive an Uber. Or if you're, say, traveling for a month over the summer, you can rent out your apartment and make money off of it when it's going unused. So there's a lot of potential for um, being more efficient with the goods that we currently have and we don't have to build new ones. Yeah, and from our end as the users, it's better not just because it's cheaper, but a lot of times it's easier to find good options. So Uber will automatically direct you to some of the highest rated drivers so you don't have to go figure out, okay, well, which taxi company is good? Which guy am I going to have to haggle with? Uh, it's just automatically, oh, hey, this guy's got five stars. He's got 300 reviews. People seem to like him. I bet he's a good taxi driver. Right. And it's convenient. Your credit card is already on the app. You don't have to worry about cash. It's, it just makes the process simple. You don't have to worry about getting, sh- getting uh, shaken down for a tip like we did with that uh, pizza man last weekend <laughs> who we ended up tipping... to be fair that was you guys i was out i was inside away from the cold look it was cold he was pressuring us we were trying to split like 320s okay moving on yeah that was that was crazy um so that's kind of some of the arguments for these services i'm gonna tell you a couple of my arguments against them and the first one is the lack of overhead so the reason these companies are so effective is because Instead of having to build a bunch of hotels, Airbnb just rents out, just serves as this kind of software and this service and this network. So they don't have to spend a lot of money on building things and hiring people. But the problem is 
there's no customer service representative. I can't get on the phone and call up Airbnb if I have a problem. I can't call up Uber with a complaint. So there's a lack of what's called in business a reverse supply chain, basically a system to refund and to learn. So I feel like there's not a good way for these companies to learn and adapt. If you've got a problem with Uber, you tweet at them and you hope they either tweet back at you or some newspaper picks it up and posts it online. Right. They basically employ contractors. So that inherently suffers from a lack of quality because they don't have the level of control that a typical company would. They can't just fire someone. It's, it's harder to do for them. Mm-hmm. And then the second problem I have, and this is one that as an economics major, I'm very afraid of making, but it's this idea of the system being regressive. So when you close a hotel, the people who lose money aren't just the hotel owners. It's everybody who used to work at the hotel. So that could be the maid, the doorman, the guy that carried your bags in. So when you're replacing that entire system with a few people that are making supplemental income, you've already have people who own nice apartments. With Uber, it's people who already own cars. So they're getting additional income, but these people who maybe were working for minimum wage or for a lower wage, but were dependent on that for their income are being replaced. Right, I have a point in, uh, against this and one for it. And against is in New York, there's a huge shortage of housing. But there are people that are buying things just to list them on Airbnb. So that makes the problem even worse. Uh, and again, the people that are being hurt are the ones at the lower end of the market. Kind of what Dash was talking about. However, the other point I'll make is it can be a really empowering thing for people. So if you do have a car, you can become a taxi driver. You don't have to um, go through a certifications process or you don't have to have know someone at a taxi company to get a job. You just need a driver's license and a clean record. And the other thing too is if I'm really wealthy and I own an apartment in New York, I don't need to rent it out. So I probably won't because there's a hassle involved. So I think it could actually be an empowering thing for people at the lower end of the economy. Definitely. And then the last thing is there's this idea in economics called creative destruction, which is basically like uh, when the computer industry came up, the typewriter industry collapsed. So I don't want to say, okay, well, we need to keep hotels around even though they're inefficient just because some people get low-paying jobs. But I do think it's something that we need to be aware of and something that we need to have a discussion about that's often neglected in this topic. People just see, oh, there's upsides, and you know, there are some potential downsides for some people. Right. I think it's with any type of um, capture of a new market, there are winners and losers. And you know, it's, a, it's an open debate. Is Should the winners have to compensate the losers? And if so, what's the mechanism to do that? And I think that's where we get into a, a political debate over how involved should the government be, and um, what's the best way to recompensate the losers? So, Daniel, that sounds like an additional question we can maybe use for another podcast sometime, but I think for this one, we've covered it pretty well. you have anything else left to say? Only if you have any topics that you want us to cover, definitely shoot us an email at just one question more at gmail.com. All one word, no capitalize, just one question more. Feel free to send us any feedback. We love to hear from you. Thanks. That's all we got. Yeah.